Today on Tap Out Talk, I got a little curious and I decided to check out what's going on with NXT 2.0 on February 8th, 2022. Let's get in. Welcome everybody, this is Tap Out Talk. I'm your host Brian and this is going to be a little check-in on NXT 2.0, some results and thoughts from February 8th of 2022. Tonight's NXT is the final NXT before Vengeance Day, live next week on the network and it's set to be a big one. The main event will see Kaylee Ray challenge Mandy Rose for the Women's NXT Championship on NXT Tonight while Braun Breaker and Santos Escobar will meet in a championship summit ahead of their big showdown next week. Elsewhere tonight, Tiffany Stratton faces Wendy Chu, Saray battles Dakota Kai, and LA Knight steps in the ring against the debuting Sangha, and if Knight wins, he may get a shot at Grayson Waller. Meanwhile, the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic continues with MSK taking on Malik Blade and Idris Inofe, and the Creed Brothers are battling the grizzled young veterans to round that up. This week's NXT kicks off with a semi-final, uh, semi-final round of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. And this actually is Diamond Mine already in the ring. And out comes the opponents, Drake and Gibson. And they begin to trash talk on the mic. But Brutus and Julius exit the ring and rush up the ramp. And they all start brawling. So the first match of the night is the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Semifinals with the Grizzled Young Veterans versus the Creed Brothers with Diamond Mine. Eventually, the action makes its way to the ring as it all kind of starts off a little crazy. And Brutus and Drake are legal now as the bell actually rings. Brutus catches Drake in a huge backdrop and he rolls out. Drake and Gibson regroup at ringside as Brutus taunts them from the ring. Gibson tags in, but now he ends up double teamed as Julius comes in. Brutus slams his brother on top of Gibson for a big pop from the crowd. And Drake drops Julius with a cheap shot in the corner, allowing Gibson to level him with a clothesline. Drake beats Julius around the ring for a minute. Gibson gets a blind tag, and Julius doesn't see it and eats a sucker punch right to the mouth. Julius gets the upper hand and drop kicks Gibson after sending Drake to the floor. Brutus tags in, and they take turns driving knees to Gibson's ribs. Brutus connects with a big suplex to Gibson, so he rolls outside to regroup with Drake. Brutus comes out to bring Drake back inside. Drake grabs a foot of Brutus from the apron, allowing Gibson to knock him off, and the veterans then put Brutus under the apron and hit a catapult, sending Brutus, uh, Brutus's throat into the metal bars under the ring. Ouch. Julius then comes around to check on his brother, until the referee gets them all back in the ring and the veterans isolate Brutus near the corner and they begin immediately targeting his throat. Brutus tries to fight back, but continually gets shut down and double teamed. He clobbers Gibson with a huge clothesline and Drake jumps on his back. Finally, Brutus gets the tag to Julius who comes in hot right off of the ropes and knocks Gibson off the apron before tackling the knee of Drake. The fans chant Creed, Creed, and Julius gets a stretch muffler on Drake. James tries to transition into a guillotine submission, but Julius throws him off and slams him for a near fall. 
Gibson rushes in a bit, and Julius throws him right back. Julius and Drake encounter exchanges, and Gibson blind tags in. Gibson drags Julius out of the ring, but he eats a right hand for it, and then Drake then obliterates Julius with a suicide dive that sends him into the announcer's desk. The veterans lift Julius up, and then they hit a famous doomsday device for a near fall. Oh, what a rush, right? Bruce, uh, Brutus and Gibson are now the two legal men, and Brutus unloads on him. Drake gets on the apron to cause a distraction, and Brutus attacks him. Gibson uses the, the distraction to chop the throat and then tags Drake so that he can double-team the Creed brother. They want a ticket to Mayhem, but Brutus runs Gibson into the corner and holds him there, and Julius leaps onto his back and hits a superplex to Drake. The Creed brothers hit Gibson with a slam in the basement clothesline for the win. The winners and advancing in the Dusty Rhodes Classic, the Creed brothers. Good hot tag opening match, back and forth action. This was all over the place. They went on the floor. They were back and forth in the ring. A lot of tags, a lot of actions, a nice little nod to the doomsday device of the Road Warriors. I love seeing that kind of stuff in a classic tag team tournament like the Dusty Classic. So then, after that, we go on to our next match, which ends up being Wendy Chu versus Tiffany Stratton. I don't know if you guys have seen Wendy Chu. She is an interesting character. She is the sleepy wrestler. She literally comes out with a sippy cup, and her footed style pajamas that she actually wrestles in. And she's constantly trying to find ways to sleep in the ring. I think this is a little bit of NXT's take on Orange Cassidy being kind of the lazy wrestler in AEW. But it really comes off uh, as hard to take serious and more comedic than anything. But it does give her character. And it did get me to talk about her. But it's a little ridiculous. Uh, so, Wendy Chu versus Tiffany Stratton happens. Uh, Tiffany asks for her credit card back but Chu searches inside one of her one of her onesie and can't find it so this is tied to last week's episode where Chu actually stole the credit card of Tiffany Stratton so basically then what happens is Chu grabs a wrist lock but Stratton springboards out of it and hits an arm drag only for Chu to roll into a sleeping position Stratton grabs a side headlock and the fans are chanting for the comedy act Chu wiggles free and rolls her up for a near fall Chu connects with a drop kick, then running boot to the corner. She hits her running sleep drop for a two count. Chu grabs a sleeper hold, no pun intended, on Stratton, fights up and clobbers her with a clothesline. Stratton complains that she has broken a nail, but starts stomping the life out of Chu. She then hits with a slingshot drop kick and lands a spinning Vader bomb in the corner and scores the win. The winner, Tiffany Stratton. So again, this is... um. A comedic act. Basically, this match was put in the spot, I believe, to cool down after the opening hot tag match. So basically, and then uh, these guys have been back and forth from last week with Chu winning last week, getting her credit card. And now we got Tiffany Stratton getting a little revenge this week. So uh, it is what it is on this one. Let's uh, Up next, then, what we end up seeing is we get Pete Dunne um, is interviewed backstage, and he says that Tony D'Angelo is way too um, much since he was just beaten by Cameron Grimes, but he's been completely signed. He says that he finishes it next week where it all began, inside a steel cage. So we're going to get Pete Dunn versus Tony D'Angelo in a steel cage next week at Vengeance, NXT Vengeance. 
So at that point, um, it basically will be an honor to share the ring with him tonight. He's going to take on, Pete Dunne will take on Draco Anthony in this next matchup. So when we return, we get a little commercial break. And we return, we find this match already actually in progress on the, on the uh, stream. Anthony has done grounded with a headlock. Dunn turns the tables on Draco, shoots him off, de- uh, dodges an elbow drop, and drops him with a shoulder tackle. Anthony wants a suplex, but Dunn knees him a few times, and Draco starts to drop him and gets him back up and lands a suplex. Draco stands on Dunn's hand and looks to stomp, but Pete avoids it. Dunn then jumps on Draco's hands and kicks him in the head. It's uh, it's time for some joint manipulation now, and Dunn, and he jumps on Anthony's elbow. Dunn chops the crap out of Anthony, but it just fires him up, and Draco splashes Dunn and hits a slam for a near fall. Anthony sees Harlan and Joe Gacy standing on the platform above the ri- up the ramp and above the ring. He looks at them before running at Dunn in nobody's home. Dunn drops him and jumps on his arm again. Dunn wants a Kimura, and Draco shoots him off and hits back a back body drop. Dunn rolls on the outside. When Anthony comes through the ropes, he kicks him in the head, and suddenly Tony D'Angelo appears and swings for Dunn with a crowbar, but nobody's home. Dunn hits him and gets back inside and hits Draco with a German suplex and the bitter end for the win. Winner, Pete Dunn. After the win, Dunn is grabbed from behind by uh, Tony D'Angelo, but he snaps his fingers. Dunn goes outside and brings weapon after weapon into the ring while D'Angelo watches from the ramp. Dunn says D'Angelo is going to need a lot more than a crowbar at Vengeance Day, so how about they have a weaponized cage match? And Tony very much agrees. So that's a very good uh, buildup for the Vengeance pay-per-view next week. This matchup, a little slow for my pacing. I mean, um... Pete Dunn is a good wrestler, and you can see his opponent here um, just really, you know, Draco just seems like he's still trying to develop his character and develop himself a little. But this was designed to be a builder to the Vengeance Day go-home for next week. So after um, after that, we get Io Shirai and Zoe Stark that are sitting backstage, and Stark says in a backstage segment that we need to talk about the Dusty Cup because the opponents are very good. She says she knows Io Shirai, um, Shirai, and that she knows where that she wants to win those titles back that they were actually never pinned for. Shirai agrees, and Stark says that they need to find a partner for Io, someone just as crazy as she is. Shirai agrees and says that she knows just who to ask, but she won't say. I'm a little interested in this. I feel like the WWE could be pulling Asuka back down to maybe team with Shirai. I think that would probably make the most sense for maybe a quick, you know, because they're not doing much with her on the main roster. So in the next matchup on the show, we get L.A. Knight, who's very hot with the crowd. I mean, people are really into this guy, versus Sange with Grayson Waller. This is a buildup from last week when Sange basically attacked, so now he's making his debut in the wrestling match tonight. This match gets underway, and Knight tries to uh, an Irish whip on Sanga, but he's just simply too big. Knight lands a few shots, and Sanga tosses him into the corner and kicks him over and over. Sanga headbutts Knight, and he falls in the ring, and Sanga goes after him and looks uh, to basically lawn dart and just throw him like a dart with Knight, but he slips off, and he shoves the big man into the ring post. Uh, Knight attacks Sanga as he comes back into the ring. Knight looks to hit a big, or hit the BTF, but Sanga shoves him off. Sanga then 
hits a splash on Knight for a near fall. Knight starts fighting back and connects with the springboard dropkick for a two count. Waller gets on the apron and removes the turnbuckle pad, interfering much like the heel manager style in this case. Knight runs Waller off. And then Sangha re- runs at him, but Knight moves, and Sangha, of course, in classic fashion, hits the buckle himself that's exposed. Knight slams Sangha and scores the pinfall. The winner, one, two, three, it's L.A. Knight to be. So, this, as soon as the match ends, Waller rushes into the ring, but Knight hits him and lands the BFT, and Knight leaves with big smiles on his face as Sangha stares him down. Duke Hudson then, um, at this point, is interviewed backstage, and he says that Dante Chen isn't as tough as he thinks he is, and there is a reason he's not here tonight. He's afraid of him. Hudson wishes Andy Hartwell good luck for next week. We then get a commercial break. Um, So at this point, you know, I'll take a break myself, and if you guys end up liking or sharing or even subscribing to the channel here that really helps me out because again i'm still getting up and going with everything i greatly appreciate it but now enough of that let's get back into the next segment so it's time for the championship summit with uh legado del fantasma and they're already in the ring and wade barrett introduces the nxt champion braun breaker they're sat at the table in the center of the ring and barrett asks braun why he's confident that he'll win next week and Braun says that he already suspects Santos, but he's going to beat him, and there's not a damn thing that he can do about it. So at this point, Breaker says that uh, we all know how this stuff goes, and that they'll flip the table and start fighting now. Santos laughs, and he says that he wouldn't expect anything else from such a, somebody so young and naive. When he says everything works, and this time he's in control and he's pulling the strings. People, you know, um, like Paul Heyman are saying Breaker is the future of NXT, but he's already planning on how to end his career before it even gets started. Breaker starts to respond, but he gets interrupted by a new face to NXT, none other than the show-off Dolph Ziggler from the main roster comes out, and he sits at the table and puts his feet up and says that this is some night, NXT on sci-fi, and what a moment. Um... The NXT champion and the number one contender are about to throw down until he showed up. Ziggler says Breaker wants to know if he works on Tuesdays. Well, he does now. Time is money, and he's got a plane to catch, so who the hell is Braun Breaker? Braun says he's the reason Ziggler is here, so once he's done with Santos, he will deal with Ziggler himself. Dolph says Braun is looking past his opponent, and that's a complete rookie move. Now he has a long list of accomplishments, and we all... No, 99 out of 100 matches don't go his way. But everyone knows what he can do in the ring. All those accolades, and yet, the one thing he's never held, and the fans chant triple threat, triple threat. And Dolph says he doesn't give a damn what they say in heel fashion. Ziggler says he doesn't have to beat a stronger and faster Braun, but he just has to be in his head, which he is. At this point, Ziggler is kind of interjecting himself into a little excitement into the NXT for the go-home show. Um, I think it's a great use of them so far. I like the fact that they're kind of using some of these guys to come down and help out some of the younger talent, especially ones you know, like Dolph. Tommaso Ciampa comes out at this point and interrupts Dolph, and Ciampa says this is a big moment, um, but Ziggler, as NXT champion, he goes, that's a hard pass. Ciampa sits beside Ziggler and says, kid, I love your spirit. Santos Escobar interrupts Ciampa and says, hey, what's going on here? And he says, Ziggler doesn't go here. And uh, what some mean tweets brought, basically, are what brought him here. 
Santos says once he wins the NXT champion, he will take care of Ziggler himself and then Champa. Tommaso tells Santos if he interrupts him again, he won't make it to Va- uh, Valentine's Day Vengeance. And he says that he wants the next shot once Breaker beats Escobar, unless, of course, Dolph thinks he can cut in line. Ziggler says Ciampa called this his home. The same hundred Florida people come out and clap like seals no matter what he does. Ziggler then asks when Ciampa's training wheels come off. Ciampa hits Ziggler and he falls out of the chair. Ciampa goes after Dolph and they brawl on the floor. Meanwhile, Legato Del Fantasma attacks Breaker in the ring. Breaker starts to fight back and looks to powerbomb Escobar through the table, but the numbers get the better of him. Wild and Mendoza spinebuster Breaker through the table. Escobar kneels beside Breaker and says he, uh, that he told him everything works out on his time. And, well, this will be his time. See you next week, young champion. Grayson Waller and Sangha. Uh, okay, so we'll, hold on. Let's break this down. The Ziggler interference is interesting. It's definitely foreshadowing to the future. Um, I think we all know that Santos Escobar is a first title defense for Braun Breaker. And I think the fact that they put him through the table tonight and got over with him a little bit proves that Braun Breaker will come back strong. They are not taking that title off of this guy. He's a Steiner brother. He's a pedigree in the business. And I do see something in Braun Breaker. Um, just hate the name, right? But just let him be Braun Steiner or whatever. Um, so then after that, we end up seeing Grayson Waller and Sangha who are leaving the building and they're stopping for an interview and Waller says that Knight is an idiot because he just broke his restraining order. Well, next week he's going to get arrested in front of the entire world. Karma is a bitch. It's magical Japanese schoolgirl time as Sarah makes her entrance and her very unique entrance. Sarah will be facing Dakota Kai after they come back from the break. So at this point, we do get Sarah versus Dakota Kai. And I tell you what, Dakota Kai has completely changed her look from last time I've seen her. When she was more of a Chung Lee Street Fighter type character, she looks completely different now. So I almost didn't recognize her except for in the face. Sarah is um, Sarah is basically this magic Asian type character, um, Japanese schoolgirl that can then turn into, in her entrance, she comes out with this amulet. And then from backstage, they show her as a schoolgirl. And when she walks in the ramp, she turns into this really awesome wrestler, right? So I got to say, I got to give them credit. I do like the fact that they gave her a unique character build and something like that. Some will say it's a little cheesy, but I kind of like that they tapped into it and gave her something special to work with. So I do say I, it has me interested in watching her matches. I did see a match last week with her where she did pull out a victory. Um, Sarah versus Dakota Kai happens when we return. And uh, this match is already underway. Once again, it's kind of a habit here. Sarah looks for her hanging drop kick against the ropes, but Kai avoids it. Kai beats up Sarah down the corner and hits a repeated face wash, kicks out for two. Sarah eats up a few kicks, but keeps getting back up, and Kai laughs at her. Sarah lands some forearms and wheelbarrow roll up and then double stomp, and Sarah comes off the top rope and knocks Kai down for a two count. Kai hits a Scorpio kick. And a spinning DDT for a near fall. Sarah avoids Kai and hits a sunset flip for a near fall again. They exchange pinfall attempts for a minute. Then Sarah catches with a super kick and he falls onto the bottom rope. Sarah hits her hanging drop kick and then lifts Kai and hits a nasty Saito suplex for the win. So the winner, uh, Sarah. Um, 
So at that point, you know, good back and forth match. Um, the Serac character has got me interested. I kind of want to see a little bit more of her and what she does. I think Dakota Kai has been around NXT enough, and it's a good partner for her to help enhance her. And I want to see where they go with this a little bit in the future. So then next we get Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams that are sitting with a few buddies in the barber shop in a backstage statement. They talk about Cameron Grimes and how he's been in NXT for two years and has nothing to show for it. Mello equals money. Mello does numbers. And he's going to make Grimes relevant one night, just for one night only. Then we get another backstage with Indy Harwell and Persia Perota, which um, they're having a spat when Toxic Attractions Gigi and JC walk up and try to stir the pot. Persia says they're best friends and they can't get in their heads. Gigi pulls out a photograph of Indy with Duke Hudson and says maybe he can comfort her when they lose next week. Jane says it's clear the best friends don't tell each other everything and Persia attacks them. The four women brawl until the referees separate them. We get another commercial break. When we come back from that break, Briggs and Jensen are backstage and Briggs is trying to convince Jensen to ask out Caden Carter. They approach the girls and Jensen accidentally asks about um, them both and if they want to hang out. Casey and Caden say that they'd love to chill and walk off. Briggs asks, what the hell was that? Jensen says it's fine. Briggs can take Casey to the movies and allow him to be alone with Caden. He handed him $8, not 10 actually $8. And Briggs says the movie costs at least 20 but Jensen says he's not made of money. So it was kind of, again, a little comic backstage. Um, I will say NXT does a good job of blending, you know, a little backstage story, a little bit of matches. So they do, you know, it's not just 20 minutes of backstage back and forth, you know, or a lot of back and forth between matches and backstage. So then we get to the other semifinal of the Dusty Tag Team Classic, which has MSK versus Idris Anofe and Malik Blade. We kick things off with Wesley and Malik Blade feeling out the process. Lee avoids Blade and shoves him in the corner where Nash tags in. MSK hits a double team, ending with a Bronco Buster from Nash. Carter lands a few kicks off the chest and Blade dodges an Inseguri. Anofe tags in and takes Nash down with a sleeper hold. Nash fights up whips him to the ropes, and he runs and he gets flipped over the top rape of the, top of the rope through the apron. Inofe shoulders Nash and Sunset flips him and then hits a Hurricane Rada, but Carter lands on his feet. Carter hits a clothesline and Blade tags back, but MSK lands a series of kicks and then knocks Inofe out of the ring, and MSK pose together as we head for another commercial break. We get a little bit of a break, some commercials. We come back live, and Blade is... Nash down with a rear chin lock at this point in the ring. Carter fights up and rolls to Lee to make a tag. And Nofe and Lee go toe to toe to toe. Not that many toes, but yeah, four toes. And West clocks him with a drop kick. Lee hits an enziguri in the corner in an inverted exploder suplex. Carter gets the tag and Lee catapults Nofe with a super kick right out of Sweet Chin Music City. Carter then hits double stomp on Nofe and Nash's knees and cover, but Blade is quick to break it up. Blade knocks Lee out of the ring and dives over the ropes right onto him. Anofe rolls up Nash for a near fall, then tags Blade, and they hit a double-team suplex slash neck breaker for a really great tag-team move. Anofe goes up to the top and hits a big splash on the near fall thanks to Wes Lee. Blade is sent over the ropes, and MSK double-teams Anofe, connecting with the Spine Buster for the win. One, two, three, MSK is the team to be. So MSK now has progressed to the finals of the Dusty Road Classic where they'll face the Creed Brothers. Speaking of whom, the Creed Brothers make their way down to the ring 
where they stand opposite of MSK with the Dusty Cup between them. We see then at that point that this is going to be the buildup for next week in the Dusty Rhodes Finals. We get a video backstage of Cameron Grimes going back to his hometown and he says he came incredibly far and nobody's gone through more than him to get where he is now. He got everything he wanted, the money, the cars, the house, and he lost sight of what he got into the business. He'd trade everything and go back to the trailer park in order to have a North American championship on his mantle. There's two ways you can go in this business, up or down, and his gas tanks are filled for a trip to the moon. We get another commercial break, and then it's time for the main event. We see Kaylee Ray walking backstage with her bat, and her camera cuts to Mandy Rose, and she is helping Gigi and JC brawl with Indy Hartwell and Persia Perota. Mandy leaves them to go enter her fight, and she makes her way to the ring. This matchup has been building for a little bit of uh, time. This was actually tied into last week where Mandy Rose did not want to have this matchup and Kaylee Ray basically forced her into it with her bright neon green baseball bat. Everything's got to be bright in NXT. Everything has to be bright, vibrant colors. I've noticed that theme around this thing. Um, the bell rings and Mandy jumps for a switch knee, but Ray avoids it and chops her. Ray lands a few more chops, but Mandy jumps on her with a fez press. Ray fires back with the right hands. Then a rope-assisted tornado DDT. Rose rolls from the ring and Ray goes out and hits her and brings it back in for a two count. Ray whips Rose to the corner and clotheslines her. She tries to land another, but Rose ducks it and slams the head into the back of the buckles. Rose slams Ray's head a few times and then beats her against the ropes and hits a spine buster for the two count. Rose grabs a body scissors and tries to make Ray submit. They exchange some pen attempts and Mandy lands a few knees to the gut and then slams Ray for a two count. Rose is getting frustrated and she slams Ray's face into the mat before shouting at her. Rose applies an abdominal stretch and Ray flips her over. Kaylee lands a drop kick and kicks Mandy in the corner and then goes for the middle rope in a moonsault and a near fall. Rose fights out of the submission and counters with a gory bomb and a sunset flip for a near fall. Mandy wants bed of roses and Ray escapes and kicks her in the head. Ray goes to the top rope and suddenly J.C. Jane gets on the apron of Toxic Attraction and distracts the referee. Gigi Dolan also jumps on the opposite apron and shoves Kaylee Ray off the top rope. Mandy then drops Ray with a runny knee and scores the pinfall to retain her women's NXT championship. One, two, three, Mandy Rose. After the match, Gigi and J.C. get in the ring with Ray's bat and they hold Ray up for Rose to hit her. Before Mandy can do so, Io Shirai rushes down to the ring and knocks Mandy out of the ring and then drops JC and hits Gigi with the 619 a la Rey Mysterio style. Io hits both with a springboard drop kick and Mandy comes back and pulls Shirai's hair. But Ray returns with her and hits a gory bomb. Toxic attraction and the three girls retreat as Ray and Shirai stare on from the inside of the ring and our show goes to the close. So at this point, that is the end of NXT. Um, I will say that the show, you know, centers around a few of characters. You can tell there's a difference in the developmental. I like what they're doing with Mandy Rose and Toxic Attraction. I have said that back last time I really kind of honed in on this product was, you know, back in Halloween Havoc time. So I will probably watch Vengeance next week. If anything, just to have some more NXT content to cover here on the channel. Let me know what you guys think um, of the show. 
I'm going into it with some lower expectations, you know, as an in-betweener. But I do kind of want to see what those young and upcoming talents are. So every once in a while, I do check out NXT and a little bit of AEW Dark. So at this point, um, that's kind of my review for the week. And I that will be the go-home show going into Vengeance, uh, Valentine's Day Vengeance for next Tuesday on the 15th, I believe. So I just want to say again, as always, thanks for watching. Like, share, subscribe. And it's not goodbye around here. It's game over.